Mike Seibert Radio is an independently produced podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any other broadcasting entities that either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Welcome back to this extra double-sized episode of Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. So, uh, before I move on to other stuff, I was going through my notes and wanted to run through some of the highlights of my trip to China. It's, uh, it's interesting. It wasn't until I was going through some of my pictures that I realized, um, how much stuff we actually did and how much we crammed into each day. I, uh, I, I was having coffee with my wife, uh, working on show notes and just kept stopping and saying, saying, damn, we done all this in one day? It was crazy. I mean, I mean, like on our first day in Beijing, for example, um, I already mentioned that we went through Tiananmen Square and the Forbidden City, uh, but we also visited the Summer Palace, uh, which had a huge man-made lake and was a retreat for the royalty. And we uh, uh, later on that night, we watched the Golden Mask Dynasty show, which, uh, which was this huge... Vegas style production. It was really, really cool. Um, had all these different stages that elevated at different levels, and there was like a giant fountain that came across and spilled over the stage. It was really, really neat. But, um, but the thing that cracked me up was that there were actually a bunch of us in our group that were totally nodding off during the show uh, because we were just so fried. Um, I may or may not have been one of those, but. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was an interesting experience being in like this huge, uh, uh, loud, exciting show, and yeah, we're we're just nodding off, and that that wasn't even the end of the day. Uh, we still had a huge Peking duck dinner afterward. Um, Peking duck, incidentally. Um, kind of tasty but um a little salty a little greasy maybe a little heavy for my uh taste but um i don't know it was kind of like having a, a dark meat at thanksgiving i guess would be the closest uh comparison i would make uh, uh for that but uh but man i haven't even talked about climbing the great wall yet um Jeez, I mean, one of the most physically difficult things I have ever done. Um, I went up with my good friend Larry, and it was pretty funny because um, it was it was really really crowded. I mean, the stairways are super narrow and are packed with tourists of all shapes and sizes, and everybody just kind of goes at a slogging pace. It's it's really really steep. Um, my buddy, on the other hand, decided he wanted to pass some people and uh, get up there a little quicker. Yeah, I don't have passing speed. I mean, he's uh, uh, 20 years older than I am, but I'm probably a good 100 pounds heavier, so... 
Um, but uh, uh, but check this out. We we climbed up the Juyangguan Fort portion of the Great Wall. Uh, the thirteenth tower is about two thousand feet above sea level and about a thousand feet above the valley floor. Uh, the stair climb is about fifteen hundred steps. But the crazy part is that all of the steps are totally uneven, uh, ranging from a few inches high to two feet high. Uh, that was really rough on the knees, but at least there was a handrail. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it took about an hour or so to get to the top, and um, almost about the same amount of time going down uh, because you have those huge steps, and that's uh, that's what was really uh, tough on the uh, thighs and the knees was actually going down. Um, but the the view at the top was spectacular. I mean, uh, definitely a once in a lifetime experience. But you want to know what's up at the top? Here's the kicker. There's um, there's a gift shop and a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also went to the Beijing 2008 Olympic Center and checked out the Bird's Nest, uh, which is that iconic stadium where the Olympics were held. And uh, we capped off that day with quite possibly the most brutal massages my wife and I have ever had. Um, there was a lot of pounding and thumping. And uh, at one point, this gal was standing on top of my back, kind of almost. Uh, uh, like being on a surfboard. Um, yeah, I mean, she was like literally stomping on my back. It, it's uh, um, So I don't know if that's a, a cultural thing, but you know, like when you go to get therapeutic massage or even deep tissue massage that, that's a little uh, uh, harder, a little more brutal. No, this was nothing like that. I mean, I mean, like the, we were literally getting beat up. I, I was thinking they were going to take our money or something, but um, um but uh, we saw the Temple of Heaven, which was a place used by emperors for ceremonies honoring the God of Harvest. A uh, beautiful architecture. You know, it's like all of, you know, like the scalloped roofs and, um, yeah, just the, the ornate uh, painting and architecture. Um, uh, gorgeous. Uh, but from there, we took a rickshaw ride, which um, apparently was something on Mrs. Mad's bucket list. Uh, she had always wanted to take a rickshaw ride I, I had no idea um, but it, it was pretty cool uh, but we we went through the old town and had lunch with a local family like this was um, this was one of the more uncomfortable parts of the trip for me because uh, the, the neighborhood we went through was very rough in that everything was run down and grungy and it and it just felt scary sketchy like uh like walking down the wrong back alley um like I, i'm sure all of you have neighborhoods where you live where it's just like Ooh, i don't know if we're in the right place um or if you've ever traveled anywhere and had that had that uncomfortable feeling um plus it was really weird and kind of uncomfortable that one of the stops on our tour was uh um some lady's house uh yeah we we walked through her house like it was a museum or something you know it was full of trinkets and family photos and whatnot um and it was a hundred maybe 200 square feet total and there were five people living there 
Um, apparently, uh, uh, multi-generational housing is pretty common uh, for people that are rich enough to have their own home. And th- I think maybe that's what they were trying to show us is that, you know, uh, our tour guide uh, was speaking, um, you know, kind of pridefully. Oh, this this lady is very rich. She is very rich. She has, you know, her uh, uh, daughter and granddaughter and, and who knows what else uh, living uh, with her in the house. But yeah, it was, uh, oh man, that was, uh, I mean, you know, I, I talked earlier about culture shock. That that was one of them where it was, you know, what I think some of us in the West would consider to be, um, you know, kind of a dump, kind of a hovel. Um, but apparently the, the, this, this lady was living large and we got to uh, go through it. I, I'm all like looking through her DVD shelf I'm like, oh, that that seems legit. Um, but next, our uh, our travels took us to Shuzo, uh, where we visited the Lingering Garden. Uh, that's a, a, a classic private garden with uh, with 500 years of history, uh, which that was really cool. Very peaceful, very uh, serene. Um, at least when you're not getting shoved around by dozens and dozens of people. Um, we also saw the largest silk factory in China, along with a uh, silk embroidery factory uh, both of which of course had extensive gift shops um, we took a boat cruise through the Grand Canal, uh, which again was really cool architecture and ancient history, but it was also pretty gross. Um, you know, uh, garbage in the water. Um, I mean, like there was like, you know, empty uh, water bottles, styrofoam, um, and, uh, and dingy laundry hanging out the windows, uh, crumbling buildings. And while our guide was talking about how amazing it was that the canals and bridges were all man-made uh, 2,000 years ago. Yeah, people were were washing right there in the canal. Um, uh, I, I mean, also in Chuzo, though... Um, which uh, which is considered the Venice of the East. You know, it was a canal town with uh, the, this elaborate um, uh, canal system that that you know you could take boats through and whatnot. Uh, we uh, we dropped past Bridal Row, which evidently is world famous for their uh, wedding dress shops, and it's just so strange to me because those nice high end stores uh, were in a really rough part of town. Um, you know, uh, much like uh, the old town in Beijing I was mentioning earlier. Uh, that evening, we rode the bus to Wuxi and went to the Lingsan Grand Buddha. It's uh, it's actually uh, one of the largest Buddha statues at over 80 meters tall, um, or about uh, 262 feet. Uh, this thing was massive, and there was a sizable stair climb to reach the foot of the Buddha, uh, which my wife ended up doing almost by accident. She just kind of started going up the stairs and went up one flight and then another 
and then another. I mean, I wasn't going to go up myself. Like, I had just uh, been up on the Great Wall of China a couple days earlier. Uh, but then when I saw that she was over halfway up already, uh, I had to go catch up. And and we went to the top together. Uh, one of my favorite pictures from the trip was the goofy selfies I took of us at the base of the statue. And it was really cool because, um, uh, you know, a, a couple that we had met uh, that were part of our tour group uh, just kept encouraging her the whole time. It's like, you know, you go, girl. And it was it was pretty neat because, um, again, my my wife didn't go up on the Great Wall. It, uh, it was a little too steep. Um, so for her to do this, to climb up and see the Buddha, I thought I thought it was really, really cool. I was super proud. Um, but the, the next city we visited was Hangzhou. Um, a city described by Marco Polo as the most beautiful and magnificent city in the world. Uh, it was also one of the cities President Nixon visited on his trip to China uh, back in the day. Uh, we took a boat cruise through the West Lake, which was really nice. That, that was uh, that was gorgeous. Um, I'd have to say that Hangzhou was one was like the least rough city areas we went through uh lots of trees very lush and green um but yeah still tons and tons of people though um we uh we started the next day at the uh the number one tree plantation um and tasted the dragon well tea which is apparently the best green tea in china now i uh, i talked about this a little bit uh before um and if the the sales pitch we were all given is to be believed, green tea is not only excellent for your health, but will make you functionally immortal as well. Because um, apparently green tea can cure anything and everything. I mean, uh, uh, one of the things that alternatively cracked me up and irritated me was how uh, boastful and prideful the people were during these presentations, which, in a sense, were sales pitches. Like, I, I think there's some kind of uh, collusion or, you know, some kind of arrangements with the travel agency because, like, a lot of the excursions we did ended up being just like these sales things where they put you in a conference room, somebody comes in and does a presentation, and then you have the opportunity to buy something, you know, kind of, um, you know, like whether it be, you know, uh, uh, silk pillows or green tea or 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 whatever. Um, got a little repetitive, but um, but it was still. I I don't know. It, it was it was a thing that was that was interesting. Um, you know, we, we saw this again and again from the Jade Factory to the Pottery Factory to the Silk Place to the Pearl Farm we visited and the uh, <laughs> the traditional Chinese doctors at the China Academy of Chinese Medical Services. Uh, we heard over and over not only how awesome the Chinese products are, but how everything is apparently the most amazing thing in the history of ever. And... 
we'd almost be made to feel guilty if we didn't buy anything from the gift shop. Um, but uh, but back to the tea plantation, I actually appreciated the presentation there because um, honestly, at least the lady owned it and had fun with it, kind of playing up the "but wait, there's more" aspect of things. Like like at one point, she had like a cup of rice and added like iodine to it to make it black, and then like poured some green tea into it and shook it up to you know make the rice white again and you know kind of like as an analogy for what green tea does to your system i i don't know but but it was funny it was like you know all she needed was like a little uh earpiece and a blue polo and and she could be on uh late night tv doing a doing an infomercial for green tea it was uh it was pretty funny uh, but from there, we rode the bus back to Shanghai and got to go through uh, the museum. And oh, man, you have not lived until you've run through a natural history museum in an hour. I mentioned earlier that we had uh, Papa John's at the mall, right? Well, uh, that same mall had a Toys R Us in it. So we had to go through that. And to the surprise of exactly nobody, they had no fewer than two aisles full of Gundam model kits. Um, but but whenever I travel anywhere that has a different language, um, I, I try to find like an action figure or something like what we would have at home that's familiar, but in a different language. Um, yeah, with uh, with multilingual packaging anymore. I didn't really find anything I needed. I mean, it's like I've got, um, you know, a, a couple Star Wars action figures from Canada that has like, you know, French writing on it. Um, again, kind of before uh, multilingual packaging became uh, the norm. But but yeah, no, that was it was still cool, though, to go through the uh, foreign uh, Toys R Us like they had um, a couple Transformers figures that were that were um, kind of cool like they had uh, Masterpiece class uh, figures for Optimus Prime and Bumblebee um, celebrating the 10th anniversary of the uh, live action movie um, so I, I hadn't seen anything like that in a Toys R Us before so I thought that was pretty cool um, but now the, uh, the, the uh, following day uh, the day after my birthday this um, this ended up being a rough time. We uh, we kicked off the day taking a ride on the maglev train, uh, which at its fastest was going 431 kilometers per hour, um, which is about 268 miles per hour, and you could feel it. Like you kind of move around a little bit, and you know, kind of like that 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 feeling of speed, like if like being in like a race car or a roller coaster or something like that. It was it was really really cool, um, and basically what it was is it was you know a magnetic levitation train. It wasn't the bullet train. Uh, this was something else entirely, it, and it's basically a commuter train that just kind of goes from the city to the airport and back. Um, but yeah. No, that, that that was really cool. Uh, the maglev train, uh, but then then we went shopping. Um, for a lot of people in our 
tour group. This was something they had been kind of waiting for. Uh, we went shopping in the famous Shanghai Fake Market. Um, it's a huge maze and basically set up like a huge elaborate flea market where you could get everything from Roy Band sunglasses to Rolodex watches. Um, or, or at least that's what I was expecting. Uh, but actually, the, uh, the fakes looked pretty legit and usually have the actual brand names on them. So it was like, you know, all the high-end handbags, a lot of high-end clothes, shoes, uh, sunglasses, um, uh, things like that. Um, even the bootleg DVDs looked uh, looked pretty legit, like with, you know, glossy cardboard. And uh, um, but yeah, man, that there was just too many people in too tight a space. And we uh, we actually got turned around and lost a few times. So like that was kind of like kicking my anxiety up a little bit because we um, uh, we only had a limited amount of time. So we had to shop and then still make sure that we were back in time to get on the bus to go to the next thing. Um, but man, the, the thing that really made me bristle was that it, it it was all about bargaining and haggling. There was no marked prices on anything, and it's all negotiation. And, you know, um, uh, the language barrier wasn't really that much of a problem because um, you know most of the merchants knew enough English to get by um, or at least I mean again like I talked about earlier you know you can get by with like grunting and pointing and they they know um, you know what what the phrase is how much you know just asking how much and what um, you know saying that's that's too much um, uh, apparently part of the etiquette of the the shopping experience is you have to walk out of the shop at least once or or make like you're walking away at least once which for me is just exhausting um i don't know about you but i um when i go to a store i uh i to me when i decide i want to buy something you know, it's like I can I I'm either okay with that price or I'm not. Like if it's something that's too expensive, like you know, if I want to buy a new Nintendo, I I you know I I decide that whether the price is reasonable or not. If I don't think the price is reasonable, then I don't buy it. Um, and you know, I I I think sometimes I'm in a minority like that. Like um. You know, you think of it as like, say, go to buy a car. There's a couple different approaches to that in that, you know, you walk onto the lot and the car salesman comes up to you and say, hey, how much you want to spend? And then you tell the tell them how much you want to spend and then you figure out what car kind of fits that budget. I got no patience for that. I know what kind of car I want and I've determined how much, um, you know, how much I can pay for it. It's like the, the price again is just kind of immaterial at that point. I mean, sure there's some negotiation involved, but I'm not going to, uh, go onto the lot and shop for a car that is like $30,000 above my budget and name a lowball price. I just, I, that's, 
I, I don't get that. That that's just way outside my uh, comfort zone. But but that's what this uh, uh, market is all about. Like you know, if um, if you ask somebody what the price was and they tell you it's two hundred yuan, um, you come back with twenty, and then like you negotiate and you end up getting it for like forty, which to me is just it's bonkers. It, it, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a lot of patience for that. Um, not my favorite. And, and of course, everybody was really pushy also. I, I remember at one point I tried on a pair of shoes and they just didn't fit. They, they, they were just too tight around, uh, around my toes. And the lady just kept trying to push them on me, you know, telling me that she'll give me a really good deal. And, you know, it's like, oh, no, make you a good deal, make you a good deal. But what good is a good deal on shoes that don't fit? I mean that that's my problem with the the haggling and bargaining is like you know and I almost considered it for a hot minute too and then I thought well wait a minute even if I get a screaming deal these shoes still don't fit but um but what did crack me up though was that our friends had a shopping list as long as your arm I mean with with stuff ranging from Beats headphones to tag watches and of course Yeezys which uh, freaking Yeezys which I am pretty sure are the most hideous shoes I have ever seen. Um, yeah, I, I just wasn't feeling it, and I didn't have a very good time there. And uh, and then, to cap it off, we went to the City God Temple Bazaar um, in the Old Town part of Shanghai, which was more shopping. And even more people. Yay. Um, I think I actually have some kind of phobia or issue with too many people. I, I, I don't I don't know what that would be called. Um because I I I was getting dizzy and nauseous and just not having it. I, I was flooded, I was overwhelmed, um I, I was just not having a good time. And um I don't I I don't know. I mean you know, think of the most crowded place you've ever been where like, you know, anytime you move it it almost feels like going through water where the water is gross stinky sweaty people and just uh just getting rubbed up on and it was uh it was very uncomfortable for me. Um or Maybe it was going up the staircase filled with actual hot garbage before we had lunch. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. Uh, but we also went to the Bund. Um, it, that was a really cool promenade along the waterfront uh, with some awesome views of the Shanghai skyline. You know, some really, really cool buildings. Uh, the next morning, we uh, we flew out to Xi'an, home of the Terracotta Warriors, and we did all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, spent a couple days there, actually, um, including checking out the Provincial uh, History Museum, the Big Wild Goose Pagoda, which houses uh, a bunch of ancient uh, Buddhist scriptures and artifacts. And we saw yet another elaborate stage show, which my friends tell me I was falling asleep during. I think maybe I was just closing my eyes because I was overwhelmed. Um, basically, we we sat in 
literally the front row. Like, um, I, I, there was my seat, and then like I could put my hand on the stage. And you know, sometimes like when you go to a uh, production, you know, like a play. I mean, I would say a play more than a concert, uh, but any kind of performance where you're way too close you end up seeing stuff that you're not supposed to like I could see like the details in these people's tennis shoes or the or where like some of the costumes were starting to come apart or the uh, the tattoos on uh, uh, some of the young women that weren't as well covered as uh, as perhaps they thought they were but you know it back in the uh the back part of the theater or maybe up above in some of the uh balconies or whatever you probably don't notice that stuff but when you're like right up front um yeah you you kind of see that and you know you got you get to see like make, makeup starting to smear and you know people off side of the stage getting set up for the next thing um really really cool show but yeah i think it was kind of soured a little bit um uh from being quite frankly that close and and again man just like every other day it was just it was just a super exhausting day so yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me if i nodded off a little bit um uh but man um it it was a little eerie uh because on the 18th uh this would be uh september 18th when we visited the north gate of the ancient city wall we uh we heard a loud blaring horn uh that sounded like an air raid siren and being as close to north korea as we were because uh, we were kind of like on the west coast of china there um yeah i kind of puckered a little bit um i figured it was either a nuclear war or godzilla's um, nah, it just it, it it turns out it was uh, commemorating the anniversary of the Japanese invasion of Manchuria in uh, 1931. Um, the the city wall itself was pretty cool. It's not only the most complete city wall that has survived in China, uh, but also one of the largest and most complete ancient military defense systems in the entire world um but man but but really though the highlight of the trip for me was seeing the excavation site uh of the terracotta warriors i i have been fascinated by the first emperor shi wangdi uh the qin dynasty the great wall and of course the terracotta army uh since i was in the sixth grade uh so i thought this was really Really, really cool and something I was um, uh, really looking forward to. Um, a handful of months ago, there was an exhibit of the Terracotta Warriors um, at the Pacific Science Center here in Seattle, and they had uh, maybe a half dozen figures, as well as some other artifacts, too. And it was really, really cool. It was a, it was a great exhibit. But to go to the actual pit and see how vast it is and to look out and see thousands of of these Terragata Warriors was incredible. Um, I don't know if it beats walking on the Great Wall, uh, but this was definitely a close second. Plus, oh, um, this was really cool. So um, I, I don't know 
if you know a lot about the Terracotta Warriors, but uh, they were found in 1974. They were discovered when some farmers were out digging a well, you know, uh, just uh, looking for water. Well, I actually got to meet that farmer that actually found the Terracotta Warriors. Yeah, he was uh, he was there shaking hands and posing for photos and autographing books. So I have a book autographed by the farmer that found the Terracotta Warriors. That that for me was was really really cool. And uh, and man that. That's really about it. I mean, I could talk for a whole nother hour about all of the misfortunes we had along the way from like, you know, shifting itineraries to nasty hotels. Actually, though, <laughs> actually, I, I did want to mention one thing. We um, uh, we stayed at the Ramada in Wuxi and the beds were so bad that they were uh, we were pretty sure that they just threw sheets over the box spring. No mattress, just the box spring. Um, our, our package from the travel agency mentioned that we'd be staying in four to five star hotels. Yeah, some of those may have been four star hotels 30 years ago when they first opened, but now maybe not so much. So, yeah, um, anyhow, it, it wasn't always the most fun experience. And in fact, a lot of things challenged me in a lot of ways that uh, that I haven't really talked about here. Um, uh, but like I mentioned, it, it was an incredible experience and a once in a lifetime opportunity in that... I don't feel the motivation to do it again. I mean, if uh, if I were to go back to China, it would have to be for a shorter trip and uh, would have to be a lot less hectic and a lot less stressful, like like staying in one place for a couple days, um, you know, maybe seeing a few things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just um, the the package deal that we had was just it was just way too hectic and it got to be very stressful now what i would also say though uh this is the kind of package deal for people like myself that are kind of afraid of international travel and you know uh not speaking the language or anything like that so so you're in a big group you're insulated and you have wall-to-wall activities you don't have to stress about you know uh wandering the streets too terribly much now on the flip side of it like our friends for example the uh the couple we traveled with they wanted to do all this other stuff like they wanted to go to the zoo and and you know have more time for shopping and they kept comparing this to other trips that they had taken where there's a couple excursions throughout the day but then you also have a lot of free time here you have zero free time um i mean and and again like i mentioned earlier you know we went to uh one of the museums and you get an hour in it you just you know i mean so you have to run through what is essentially a huge historical thing um 
you know, the bus rides get really long. Uh, the plane ride was pretty long. Oh, that was uh, that was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, I because I talked about the time zone difference earlier. Again, it was a twelve-hour uh, flight with a fifteen-hour time change. So what happened on our way home was we uh, we left uh, Beijing to fly to Seattle at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, we arrived in SeaTac at like eleven thirty in the morning. So so we arrived like three hours before we left. <laughs> that's that's some time travel stuff there. I thought I thought that was pretty cool. I also want to let you know that my best good friend, Larry, uh, that I talked about uh, earlier, uh, compiled a bunch of the pictures he took with the ones my wife and I took, um, along with all my dumb selfies as well. Um, If you wanted to check those out, I've included a link uh, to his Dropbox in the show notes. I figured uh, if you wanted to take a look, because, I mean, this is funny, because, like, um, uh, my wife, Mrs. Mad was in charge of the camera and she took about a hundred pictures on our camera. I had my cell phone and I took about 860 uh, pictures with my phone. Um, and then uh, our our uh, friend Larry, he, I want to say, took about the same, like, you know, maybe a hundred or so. So this Dropbox has about a thousand pictures, and I would say that... 80% of them come from me. Uh, but it was really neat, though, to see uh, see how he kind of combined and reshuffled them, because there are pictures of us, uh, me and my wife, that he took that we're in. Likewise, um, he and his wife uh, are in pictures that I've taken. Um, you know, not necessarily pictures of them, but uh, that they're in. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool. But anyway, um, uh, check that out if you kind of want to see some of the stuff that we were talking about and uh, you know I don't know get a get a flavor for the China after the break we're talking about viral on-air meltdowns to close out the show you're listening to Mike Cyber Radio don't go away Your guide to cinema etiquette for the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Tip 43. When attending a cinema with your good friends or significant other, don't assume anyone else has any interest in what you have to say. So, always remember... Whisper, fuckface. It's not rocket science. For more useful cinema etiquette, join Paul and Wayne on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast at Podomatic on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Do you like podcasts? Do you like listening to podcasts? Do you have ears? Do you like Justin and Chrissy? The That's our names. I know. We have a podcast. It's called So I Married a Movie Geek. Check out this clip where we talk Star Wars sex. Nerd! This is... I don't know how to explain this articulately, but the what quote-unquote gives me lady boners as far as this goes is not a person... And not like, especially not like a guy where, you know, like Harris Ford or, or Luke or, you know, even if I swung the other way and said, ooh, Leia. Hey, what do you watch? He walks like stacked on top of each other. <laughs> I mean. Little double Ewoks. 
if I if, if I were going to go that route, I would just go for Chewbacca. Like, why do I need two stacked on top of each other when I can have Chewbacca? So you like movies? Do you like good times? Check us out. We're So I Married a Movie Geek at Movie Geekcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, all those other things. We'll see you at the movies. Tune into the Dave Sanders Show every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time to learn about the news of the world. What the hell is that? A killer robot monster? No, Stewie. Not news of the world. The actual news of the world. I'll tell you what the news of the world is. We're in a lot of no, Stewie, that's an album, but we are going to talk about what's going on all around the country, the world, what's hot in TV, movies, video games, hell, even sports, wrestling, pretty much anything. We're going to cover it right here on The Dave Sanders Show every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific. Check out our Twitter at Dave Sand Show to find out when new episodes are uploaded every Friday. Huh. You know, uh, Dave will actually be joining me on the show next week, and we're going to be talking about the new fall TV season, which is already underway. Uh, But you know what? That'll buy me some time to get caught up on my stories. And finally today, I wanted to talk about this Lawrence O'Donnell Stop the Hammering meme. Stop the hammering! Um, in case you missed it, here's some audio of that talk show host that flipped out because apparently somebody off in the distance was pounding a hammer. Stop the hammering. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? I don't know. Where's the hammer? Is it on the... Go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering. I'll go down to the damn floor myself and stop it. Keep the damn commercial break going. Call Phil Griffin. I don't care who the you have to call. Stop the hammering. Empty out the damn control room and find out where this is going on. It's either there or there or out there somewhere. Out of control. Okay, so here's the deal. It's um, it's very well known for anybody that knows me at this point how easily distracted I am. Um, you know, if I had a spirit animal, it would be Doug from uh from the movie Up. You know, the 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 dog that gets distracted by a squirrel. Um, that that is the story of my life. I see a shiny object or something that catches my eye, and I lose. All of my focus, um, and I've uh, I've been in situations like this more than a few times. So I actually totally get where this poor bastard is coming from. Um, I mean, I mean, back when I was on KGRG and doing the Monday Project, uh, the radio station was undergoing a remodel. Uh, you know, like uh, ceiling tiles were being torn out, walls were getting kicked in. Um, now my show was on at night, but even during the evening, we'd have to deal with uh, the construction and all that.
all the hassle with that. Like there would be crews cleaning up um, uh, to say nothing about like, you know, you just look up and you would see missing ceiling tiles and there would be like vent ducting that would just kind of be dangling. Like uh, uh, we all joked at the time, uh, one of the rooms that got taken out, we uh, the the flooring was still there and we kind of referred to it as like the mosh pit because there was the um uh there was exposed wiring uh and again i mentioned the the ducting but this thing like it was like an air duct but with uh kind of like the the metal pan that affixes to the top of the ceiling was still there so basically if you walk wrong this thing would cut your head off um we uh we we called it the uh the thunderdome in addition to uh, uh the mosh pit because yeah it's like oh uh, it was it was just crazy but but anyway like you know like i said people would be uh doing construction in other parts of the building or they'd be cleaning up within the studio um and that's actually kind of where where uh part of the origin of the name monday project came up because one of the things i would say in the beginning of that show is that you know we're we're a show that's always under construction now that was supposed to be kind of like a a double-ended metaphor for kind of the um uh, constantly changing nature of the show, you know, different hosts, different segments, um, uh, things like that. But also, it was literal construction. And I remember for a handful of weeks, I would give construction updates. It's like, oh, hey, they finally replaced that door that they tore down three months ago. Uh, but I digress. One, uh, one of the one of the other things I wanted to mention uh, that 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 cracked me up. Um, actually, you know, it, it it's not funny, but I I choose to remember it fondly. Um, so the the janitorial crew uh, for the college would come in. And there were several garbage cans throughout the studio in a lot of the offices and the main common area. Um, but we would also have uh, garbage cans in the booth where we would be broadcasting. And I would swear when the the uh, um, uh, people would come up to change the cans, I swear that they waited until we were on the air, um, uh, specifically during my show. Now, again, like uh, we were broadcasting at night, so it makes sense after hours to come in um, except when you're broadcasting live radio but I, I mean I mean the doors were closed and there was a red light on indicating that there were hot mics and we were on the air you know it's I mean you, you've you've seen these on TV right where you know like it, it's a sign that lights up that says on air or red light or you know just, just something that indicates that that live broadcasting is happening so they they would just just throw open the doors and you know like what they would do sometimes is they would have like a larger garbage can on wheels like this big r2d2 looking thing and they would grab the smaller cans and bail it into it so so they would be going in and just you know making ruckus making noise like i mean just no clue um and you know it, it would irritate me but i you know, it always distracted me, but I would find a way to just kind of have fun with it. It would just be like, hi, how are you today? Oh, yeah, we're just, you know, we're just trying to do a radio show. You know, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, my, my point of all of that is I... um 
I totally get how frustrating it can be when people are messing around when you're trying to broadcast. Um, broadcasting live does something to your, I, I, I don't know, uh, uh, mental awareness or something. Suddenly, like things that would be mildly annoying are suddenly immediately and incendiarily frustrating like it's like oh you you messed me up while i was on um uh on the air then die you know just you know just just laser vision and wishing death on people um so I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I've had I've had those situations myself. I get very distracted. It is very frustrating. Um, but I do, however, wonder where this Lawrence O'Donnell rant falls on the all-time list of on-air meltdowns. You know, we've uh, we've got like you know Orson Welles talking about frozen peas. You are such pests. Now, what is it you want? In your depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? Whatever it is you want, I can't deliver because I just don't see it. That was absolutely fine. It really was. You you can't worth it. No money is worth it. Uh, Casey Kasem's dead dog dedication. This is a god last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is uh, that that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. And of course, the the what I would consider to be the gold standard of on air meltdowns, and that would be Bill O'Reilly doing it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. Well, no. we'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. So, I mean, let let me know what you think. What what are your favorite on-air celebrity meltdowns. I know there's uh, more than a few like, you know, just doing a cursory gloss over the YouTubes. I found like a William Shatner one and uh, you know, several other type of uh, celebrities. Uh, because I, again, like like I tell you, it's there. there's 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 some kind of weird heightened awareness that comes from being a performer to where you lash out disproportionately than you would under normal, reasonable circumstances. I can't quite explain it, but what I can tell you is, you know, uh, being in those situations myself, I can definitely relate with it. And that's the show for this week. I'd like to thank you all for listening and for sticking around and hearing what I have to say. It means the world to me. Um, If you'd like to check out all of my past shows and podcasts, you can listen on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts, because apparently we're not calling it iTunes anymore. Uh, Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. I would appreciate the feedback, and I will read your reviews on the air. Maybe one of these days I'll come up with some kind of stunt like some of my other favorite shows have done uh, to kind of garner iTunes reviews. But for now, uh, again, I'll read them on the air and give you a shout out. And I'll let you in on a little secret. If you are a podcaster, uh, nothing is cooler and will get me to listen to your show more than to interact with me. You know, uh, uh, tweet me, send me a review, anything to indicate that you're 
listening and participating. Um, I mean, I've talked about this before, but that's what really kind of hooked me into radio. I was a fan and felt included by shows that would give me uh, shout outs. And it really kind of inspired me to uh, do my own thing. So any and all opportunities for me to pay that forward, um, interact with me, I will give you a shout out because I, um, again, that's my favorite thing. You can find me online at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter and Instagram, or the mailbag is MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. Like I mentioned earlier, next week, my girl Dave from the Dave Sanders Show joins me to talk about the upcoming slate of fall TV shows, and I'm sure we'll do a lot of catching up as well because, well, it, it's... Man, I haven't talked to Dave in over a year, so I'm sure we might get a little gossipy and in the, in the weeds a inside baseball about college radio and KGRG but um, that's going to be a lot of fun you're going to want to tune in for that this has been Mike Seibert Radio my name is Mike and until next time make good choices